Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the 27th Ball Player Podcast. Just like the previous one, we are continuing with our small little series of interviewing various Red Sox fans. Uh, this this time, we are going to be sitting down and talking with... Uh, at First off, I want to say I apologize if I mispronounce it. At Dor- Dorvid Goldie. Um, me and him, we talked for a bit about various uh, topics with the Red Sox, and it was an interesting conversation. Uh, it was it was very fun, I gotta say, and hopefully you guys enjoy. Alright, uh, see you next time. There is just one other thing I want to mention. When I was editing, I don't know why this happened, but about the last 15 minutes after the Sweet Caroline question... Uh, my audio seemed to have cut out. I know during the session it worked just fine because obviously we were having a conversation back and forth. But for some reason, when I went to play it back, my audio for the last 15 minutes roughly was gone. So first off, I just want to thank uh, at once again. I'm sorry if I mispronounce this at Dorvid Goldie again for taking part in this, and I apologize for. The last 15 minutes uh, of our conversation kind of getting lost. But for the most part, everything we talked about is covered in the amount that is there. All right. Thank you again. Yeah, pretty much the plan was with all the uh, negativity going around, I was hoping to try and find some positivity in some shape or form. Not positivity. I think the problem is the positivity. It's like great. That's great. I don't need to say anything about that. The negativity. You know, I feel like well, I have to. I have to be loud and you know talk and try to change, try to change things. Everything when everything's good, people are just like great. No, no comment. Nothing. Nothing to yeah. say. You know. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with people having issues, especially with the, you know, they go from full throttle to now we're gonna have to yeah. do a, a less payroll, but. And I you know, feel some... like. Uh, I feel like just like kind of the fool who's always like, this time it's going to be good. And then <laughs> I get disappointed again. I've really kind of felt that way since, I don't know, 2022. I, you know, I thought that they kind of course corrected and I was like, mm, maybe they didn't course correct. Maybe See. they got lucky and we made it to the LCS and they've been doing the same thing since, since they traded Mookie. <laughs> no, uh, I thought the same way after 21, I, I thought they were going to, you know, 22 make a step forward and then instead didn't end well and then 23 i thought oh okay you know they retooled now we'll be fine and yeah that didn't happen they when they didn't go for it um last year at the trade deadline when they didn't pick up did they even pick up anyone do i, I don't remember now uh if they did it was no one of consequence i don't think and, and i was like what are they doing this is like an opportunity they're a game and a half back in the wild card i think they were yeah, I don't think they picked like, up anyone at the deadline. Or if they, they, if they were going to go Oh, no, they did. Uh, Luis uh, Urias. Oh, right, Urias. right, right. Yeah. Who had, like, a couple of moments, but probably... He had back-to-back Grand Slams. Yeah, that was weird. Good for him. Um, now he's off in Seattle. Right. I wish yeah. the Mariners well. Yeah, um, hopefully uh, they do well. Probably better yeah, than us. Yeah, they're kind of like a... <laughs> I, I, for some reason, I always kind of have the Mariners like it's like my second team. They're like the little. I'm just like, come on, Mariners, do it! And then they, they make the playoffs finally. And I was like so excited, and I was like, of course you're going up against the Astros, which have almost supplanted the Yankees in my mind as the sort of flag of evil in 
in baseball. Mm. Yeah, um, what was I going to say? It, Oakland A's used to kind of be that for me until uh, mm. their mm. full sell-off of the team and now tanking until they get into Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah, that their owner's really a scumbag. I mean, I, owners are generally, I kind of look at them and go, like, you're all kind of scumbags, but you're on a spectrum, and he's really pretty pretty bad end of it with the spectrum there. Those oh, poor we're, fans. We're definitely really going to see uh, some fun times when the next CBA has to be uh, negotiated. Yeah. Uh, they can't seem to, they, they seem like they plug a hole, they fix something, and they create new problems every time. I mean, it's, it's tough. I, I'm sure it's not easy to negotiate, but... I also think a lot of it's stubbornness. Whenever I hear about the negotiations, I'm like, if you guys would give any reasonable ground, either of you, I feel like they fight over things they don't even care about. It's just like a who's the alpha male in the room kind of thing. Oh, I, I definitely have a feeling that uh, the one that's going to be the big holdup is going to be the uh, deferred money. Yeah, yeah, that one was... I mean, when I first was reading the Shoei contract, I was like, is this allowed? Mm. I, I, I thought, like, this, this can't be. And I was like, they found a loophole. And then when I didn't see anything about the Players Association, like, not that they would grumble, because Shohei's, like, one of their guys. But when I d didn't hear anything, I was like, well, they're fine with this. At least yeah. for the moment, they're fine with it. I mean, I think the players are fine with it. I think, if anything, it will be the owners, because especially someone like uh, Steinbrenner, he'll probably complain about that. Yeah. So, I'd say if they keep it, at least make it that whatever's deferred still goes against your team's uh, salary for the year. Yeah, or, the, or you know, there might be deferral limits. You can defer a certain amount, not not more than that. Um, yeah, just either by individual player or by team overall. You know, you can defer. Yeah, just because when you're doing what is it, Shohei's getting seventy million, but he's only getting paid two million this year. Yeah, and it's kind of weird because if you look at how much the Dodgers are actually spending this year, how much they added, you're going, okay, that's not actually a lot. And this is the richest team. They could afford to actually pay a lot more right now than they're doing, but. Um, I wonder if they'll regret that years down the line. If it's not that it'll, there's such a big market, they can take just about any hit. But I wonder if they'll kind of wince a little at, you know, maybe we should have done this a little differently. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like I said, they can take it. Um, you know what? If it gets them a World Series, I don't, I don't know how much they'll. Yeah, I, you know, I think I want to see Shohei in the World Series. I want to see him win it. But I also what the Dodgers are doing. Not that it's, you know, because it's like any team could do this. People keep making that point, and they just aren't doing it. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but every time I get a free agent that I want to go, the Dodgers are like, yoink! Mm. You want, you know, you want Yamamoto? No chance. You want uh, Teoscar Hernandez? No chance. I'm just like, can you guys get out of here? You're starting to annoy me. I've never really been annoyed by the Dodgers before, but mm. certain have enough. So why don't they win one and then that's it? You know, go win a World Series, get one for Shohei, and then just vanish. and then and, and then just you know, I don't know, keep getting knocked out in the division series or something, something like that. You know, like they say on Twitter all the time, Dodgers, a 110-win team, but they're going to lose in the uh, LDS to a 85-win team because of the power of friendship or something. Yeah, the power of friendship. I've seen that meme with a number, with a number of different teams. And, you know, I, I kind of want to go like, yeah, the playoffs are a crapshoot, and there are a lot of times where the team that really looked like they were going to steamroll their way to a trophy takes an early exit. But I look at the Dodgers and go, unless you guys are just decimated by incredibly bad luck injuries... How's this team gonna not, maybe not win the World Series, but like make a decent run? This is there's so much talent on this roster. They've got to be able to, because you could have half of your lineup slumping. It's like, well, it's okay. The other guys are all all stars. We'll still score six runs and then win six to two and then get to the next game. And yeah, I will say with the Dodgers, I think they're one through 
what was it last time I looked? One through five was strong, but after that, it kind of just drops At the bottom off. of the lineup, I don't. I was trying to figure this out too. I was looking at it going, is the bottom of the lineup weak, or does it just look weak compared to the top two thirds? Yeah, like, you know, is it actually pretty good? I just looked at it as more weak, but I guess probably when you compare it to those uh, top five, yeah, anything will look weak. They're, they're, just, they're very top-heavy, but, man, mm. they're going to hit some bumps. I got some, you know, National League MVPs. I mean, probably will still be Shohei most years, but the other, in a way, the other guys are going to be like, Shohei's in our league now? Never going to win an MVP. He's got to be in a little bit. He's got to win it this year, right? If it's not Shohei, it'll be it's not Acuna, it Betts or Freeman or... Yeah. Some, the National League has some talent right now, that's for sure. Don't worry. The Diamondbacks, they'll... Uh... They'll win with 86 wins and knock the uh, Dodgers off at home again. <laughs> they had a good offseason, the Diamondbacks. I was like, brought back Guriel. We brought in Erod. Uh, they're they're trying to build on something. That's what we should hope every, you know, we want our team to do. Um, yeah, it's I just did, not the time yet to uh, sacrifice future wins for... <laughs> present wins yeah i mean this is all about we were starting sort of stream of consciousness we can structure it if you want or we can keep going like this but it doesn't matter the the you know it seemed clear that they're going okay like well, we're going to hang on to the big three the untouchable three big prospects they get to the what yeah i'm gonna why what do you mean sorry about that that's okay um they seem to have the plan. They're going to hang on to the untouchable big three prospects, and then, then oh, well, when they get to the majors, that's when we'll spend. I'm going like this is this is not the way you do this for a couple of reasons. First of all, what we usually see is you build a strong team with some guys you already have and some free agents and some nice supplemental pieces, which actually High and Bloom was always good at finding. It seems like he was his real talent was that in drafting. Hmm. Um, and then your kids arrive and they push you over the top. They take you from being good to being like, ooh, this team really might have something here. And then as they get older and you extend them and you let older guys walk, and that's how you keep the cycle, you know. Yeah. That's how you become the Braves or the Astros or the Dodgers. Cool. Um, uh, were you at Winter Weekend uh, this week? No, I've never been. I followed uh, pretty closely on Twitter, but um, I wasn't there. Because that was uh, what you said was kind of what uh, Ortiz and Pedro had said, yeah. in a sense. Cause, yeah. Uh, you know, they said, you know, 04, it was all the veterans. And then 07, you had uh, Pedroia, Lester, uh, Buckholds at the end of the season, Papelbon. Yeah, you. and Ellsbury, they all kind of just arrived yeah. and sort of pushed them past that, that barrier. That they could, that's mm-hmm. that's what I, I how it, it seems like it always should work in this weird plan they have. So that's the first reason I think it's a bizarre way of going about it. But the other is, you've got these three kids, and it's like, well, they're going to be, they're the future. You hope they're the future, but they're prospects. You know, this is football where you have, like, this kid drafted out of university, whatever, is going to be a star quarterback. Like, it's just not that. I mean, that's not one for one either, but it's certainly better than baseball. Like, if one of these three kids becomes an all-star, that's a pretty good success rate, right? So many players flame out. They get hurt. They get the yips, you know. They just they can't hit a slider. Who knows? Who, whatever it is. Um, so you're trying to bet, first of all, that all three of these kids are going to make it. Even if they do, the pressure's not fair. Hey, hey guys, you're up in, when I saw them on stage there, them and Nick York, and it was like, I don't know if that's enough shoulders to bear the weight of this entire franchise and fan base. Um, can you guys just become all-stars by 2026, then we'll open up the wallets and spend money, 
Um, this is the plan. Okay, let's raise our glasses and drink to the. Pl- oh, you're not 21. We can't read. You know, they're kids. This is ridiculous. It's not fair. I, um, I will say, though, I think their biggest issue when it comes to developing, which from the way that Bailey and even Breslow has talked, is their, their pitching side. Like, they yeah. haven't developed anyone really since you could argue maybe Buckholds. <laughs> yeah, I think Buckholds and Lester are the last two where, you know, I mean, Bayo may become. Yeah the next one um but he's I, certainly got nasty stuff but it's too early to tell if he's gonna be able to put it all together well they've been terrible at at uh, developing at least starting pitchers yeah. from at least what people have been saying at winter weekend bayo was spending the uh the off season with pedro and they've been working on a slider for him so mm, we'll see if that's yeah. the uh missing pitch he needs certainly no better person to take on your wing another mm-hmm. small right-handed pitcher who has just because he's got the changeup. Oh, the changeup is already pretty nasty. Yeah. Um, what is it? He's got sinker. Yeah, I was gonna say sinker, his fastball, changeup. He just really needed a uh, sort of breaking pitch to be yeah. put away. I was wondering. It seemed like he couldn't get. Maybe he couldn't get both pitches, like the changeup and the slider, working at the same time. Because it seemed like I'd see him throw the slider and be like, "That thing's pretty nasty." I mean, I don't. Maybe you're having trouble commanding it or something. Yeah. Um, I was reading about how. I think I was reading this on Over the Monster. They were talking about how a high sinker might become a big pitch for him because because of the you know the the hitters the hitters minimal time yeah. to react the expectancy is oh that the fastball's going to be whoosh, nope you just swung over it um so and especially uh today where everyone's trying to get under the ball yeah. you know what they end up getting on top of it instead popping it right into the ground yeah. um and I know he got hit his four seam fastball he was sometimes throwing it low and they were getting hit hard so he's got to keep that from the bottom of the zone but his stuff is disgusting. Um, sort of had like fantasies of like, what if Bayo? And then we got Edward Cabrera. Because I don't know if you've seen footage of this guy pitch, but his no, absolute filth. Honestly, I think I'm one of the few people who just don't really want Cabrera on the Sox, just between possible injuries and all that. Like, I just don't want to take another risk. It's it would depend on what's the price. Like what is what is he gonna take to prime from the Marlins? But if you look at his savant page, it's like red, 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 and then the walk percentage is blue and everything mm-hmm. up. But it and you're just like, okay, so if you could figure out how to put the ball where you wanted to, you'd be just filthy. Mm-hmm. Um it, yeah, it's the kind of thing you look at highlights and you get excited and then you go, oh, hold on. Temper your excitement. That's not necessarily who this pitcher will become. I believe there was a report back around the deadline. They were, what was it the Marlins wanted Turner and they were willing to send Cabrera yeah. back this way for him and Bloom said no and Bloom then didn't really buy at the deadline which yeah yeah it makes sense <laughs> to say no if you plan to go for it but when they didn't do anything I was like you should have sent him you should have sent a whole bunch of people why did we hang on to JD Martinez yeah, uh, that one I'd say is the Sox were in a weird position where they didn't want to sell off because they knew it would upset the fans but they didn't want to buy enough because they didn't want to put it into the team. It's one of those, you're at a crossroads, just pick pick one way. Yeah, and just it was it. very upsetting to see them, like, I mean, yes, I'd be upset by selling off, but not as upset as, like, well, we're not going to make it and we're not going to do anything, which is what the feeling at the end of the day was. Like, okay, mm-hmm. we, can't, we can't possibly sustain this. We've got the guys who are going out there and pitching five innings. Yeah, you know, that, uh... The bullpen's exhausted. Like, you need starting pitching, and they didn't go get one. No, they, they definitely, uh, they could have made some trade for a back-end rotation piece. And who knows, yeah. maybe then they sneak into October and I 
I don't think they I were th- going to beat the Rangers, but. Yeah, I think that they, there's also another thing I heard that's sort of a related thought is that Winter Weekend, they're talking about like, well, people get very upset when they lose. And I was like, sure we do. But, you know, I haven't felt anger at ownership until I felt like you weren't trying to win. Things happen. And if we had, you know, gotten that, that starter we needed and we sell three games short of a wild card spot and I'd be like, that sucks. But I'm not blaming anyone, you know? Whereas this is like, you guys aren't trying. You're not trying. I spend all this time doing like nerdy stuff, texting my friends like, okay, what if we got this guy and we did this a little unorthodox, but we could do blah, blah, blah. And I'm going, what am I doing? I'm working harder than I think they're working to make the team better. No one's listening to me. Like um, Even right now, I've been thinking like with the Sox, the whole, uh, they want to stay under 225 this year for the uh, salary. Yeah. Why? <laughs> but... I'm- I'm saying, okay, you know what, you want to do that? There's still a pathway to get a right. Montgomery and a power bat. Unfortunately, yeah, we yeah. have to ship out Jansen to make that happen. Yeah, and if they're trying to think of ways like, okay, can we make that work? Or maybe we don't move Whitlock to the rotation because I don't want to wait from the bullpen anymore. And then I have that same thought of like, stop it. Stop doing this to yourself. They are not going to try what you're trying to do. You, They're giving you confines and going, okay, build a good team out of that. And you're like, you know, I think I can. They're like, we're not going to, though. You have fun. You have fun with your little fantasy roster. Speaking of Whitlock, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I, I didn't get to see him this weekend, but uh, they said, like, he looks uh, huge now. Yeah, every tweet was, like, Whitlock, like, ate 30 pounds of beef a day or something. They made it sound like he was just a massive dude. Mm. Uh, but still with him, I'd rather just leave him in the bullpen, you know? Once you've seen what works, you're kind of just like, don't mess with this. Let him be. I feel the same way about him that I feel about how kind of, like, He's clearly capable of being very effective for multiple innings. Now, Hauk, I think, always goes too long. It seems like after the fourth inning, that's when the worst happens. It's always the third time through the lineup. Uh, yeah. They start to hit him more. They see his pitches better, whether it's he gets tired and, you know, the sharpness is lost on his pitches or they just yeah, or they recognize just it. it. Yeah, they, I know. I mean, right-handers are a problem for him in general, but... Or was it... No, I'm sorry. I have it backwards. Left-handers are a problem for him. Yeah. Um, uh, I was actually talking before, and I said to someone else that they trade Jansen, move Hulk into the uh, closers role. You know, I think he has the mentality yeah. and, you know, a one inning stint I think is perfect for him. Yeah, if he can if he can figure out something to get lefties out better, I don't know if it's a cutter or what, um, then I think you could absolutely be a very... The, I mean, the slider, the sinker, are, the movement is incredible on both of them. Mm-hmm. So you'd think that he could, be, he could be a shutdown. Before I thought of that, I was going like, all right, how do you make this work? And now I'm kind of all in on Cutter Crawford as a starter and just needs to learn to go deeper. But before that, I didn't realize that. I had, before that, I had gone like, all right, here's what you do. These guys are all bullpen pieces, but once every two weeks, and the idea was that in my head we had a real starting rotation, <laughs> once every two weeks, in order to get everybody a little extra rest so that they stay sharp, um, you have how goes for four innings or three innings, and Crawford goes a couple innings, and Whitlock goes a couple innings, and you push the entire rest of the rotation back one day, and you just do this every three weeks or something. And, yeah. and just a little bit more rest for everyone, and that would be fresher. Um, now, that plan doesn't work if you don't have a rotation anyway. Um, no. so I, don't think, I don't think that's going to happen. See, um, even like with Crawford, the way I look at it is, you get five innings out of him. They're usually five very good innings. Yeah. Usually he starts to tire after the fifth. At that point, you bring Whitlock in, you get two innings out of him. Right there, you you got seven innings. Now you got to just... two guys, yeah. Yeah, yeah just manage I think, the rest. 
I think Whitlock Whitlock has the potential to be like, how would you? You can't use him whenever you want because you're gonna if you're gonna use him more innings, you're gonna have to give him a little more rest. Mm -hmm. But when you bring him in, you could have two innings of extremely effective relief. You can either specifically pair him with a starting pitcher like like Cutter Crawford. You know, maybe he pitches that day and one other day in the week, mm -hmm. or you just make sure you're tracking like how many days of rest has he had. Um, there was a point last year where I was like. Our starting rotation is mostly really good relievers. I felt the same way about Chris Sale. I was like, what if Chris Sale is just, is just like a reliever? Um, yeah, maybe he will be for Arizona, for uh, Atlanta. I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I think they'll use him in the rotation unless he struggles. But In the in the postseason, I could see them using him like Andrew Miller was used by, yeah. by Cleveland. Or uh, uh, even how Evaldi was used in 18. Yeah. Yeah, if it's your side day, why don't you go out there and give us some... Mm -hmm. Uh, that was that worked pretty well. I, I don't think I'd ever seen that before that year, and mm -hmm. now I've seen it a couple times. But yeah. it was a, I mean, Cora managed the hell out of that season. Mm -hmm. um, it it's always seems to be the first year in Boston lately. John Farrell's done well. John Farrell and Tona, yeah. Cora. Uh, well, yeah. you know, if they don't if they don't give Cora a reason to stay, we'll get another shot at a new manager. Uh, my fear is enough. end of the season. He's heading out to Los Angeles. That's my fear. Yeah. Do you think he and Dave Roberts will just switch places? I don't think Dave Roberts would want in on this situation here unless it has a reason to be a reason to believe it's really changed. I thought the only thing that might keep Cora here was like, all right, we're doing something very annoying. I'm sorry. Like, it's been a huge headache. Give us like one more year. Be our manager for like two or three more years after that you can be the gm like how about that like we won't even interview other people we'll just like and that might get him to stay but other than that i think he'd be like nah i'm out of here yeah i i know he wants to win because even like i know he always says oh talk is cheap you know results yeah. speak more you know but he definitely was like pushing that this weekend and he he almost seemed like tired of the whole yeah i know we were awful yeah I, I've gotten a sense of reading interviews with these guys like Trevor's story talking about like stepping up and being a leader and you know Whitlock saying stuff that's not true but that's the very self-effacing like I was the worst guy on the mm -hmm. roster like you weren't even the worst guy in the bullpen dude yeah, Corey close. Kluber was uh, a 2023 member yeah I, he should have he should have seen a ball go like and go like you know what I'm retiring just walk off the mound um, that, but that uh, it seemed like there's it. this it's like they know that there isn't that they don't have the pieces, like that they're like two or three guys short, and they they're gonna try to just will themselves to winning. Like we're just gonna play a little harder, just be a little better, and we're gonna win. I'm just like you poor guys. You poor guys are trying so hard. You have limited years in your career, and you gotta face injuries and all sorts of things, and you've gotta, you know. I don't think this is what a lot of the you know like Trevor Story think he was signing up for this. I think when he signed up, it was to be a. Uh key piece to a championship team not uh yeah forced into this right but, i mean I, I i think he may have also seen like oh meyer's coming and so i probably won't be there for the full six years i'll probably leave after four but mm. i think he thought like they're gonna be trying to win yeah. and i going back to the, the off season after that 21 postseason i was like okay they're gonna build on this now because we came close so clearly i felt like we're well, one starting pitcher one impact hitter and one good reliever away from the world series i really felt like we were just short in every area by just one see and i started doing this like you know you hear this guy's gonna be a free agent that guy's gonna be a free agent going like Shit, this guy this guy so i did something really like both bored and nerdy and desperate the other night and i went 
what was that team that I was going to, that, like, that I was building in my head that didn't exist? And I went onto the, the MLB The Show and I was like, I'm going to make it. And so mm-hmm. I, 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 and I blended it with the real moves they made. So it was partially like the fan, just the, the total, like what was happening at the time and what they actually did. So I did trade Tris, Chris Sale for Von Grissom. I brought in, um, I retained Nate Evaldi. I signed Kevin Gossman. I um, extended somehow uh, Xander Bogarts, although he had this ridiculous contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seiya Suzuki. Trade, the only trade I made was for Sean Murphy. I really wanted that trade to happen. So I made this team, right, which mm-hmm. you know isn't perfect because the game can't calculate that part of Chris Sale's salary is still being spent by the Red Sox and you know things like that. Yeah. But the, this whole team, I looked at it and I, and I went, wait, what's the budget here? $218 million. I was like, so this team... We give it some, you know, gray area of, or, uh, you know, margin for error. But this team is less expensive than the team last year. And I looked at the roster and I'm like, it's not a championship clock, but it's a, you'd be shocked if this team didn't go to the postseason with the roster I was looking at. Mm-hmm. With like Jaron Duran. It's because it was like Duran, Devers, Bogarts, uh, Casas, and like Suzuki and Murphy. And, you know, and there were different things you could do. It's like, I, I, I think I put. Um, Carlos Santana on there because after the 21 season I thought they should bring him in and I was like well, you could make a Schwarber instead or you could do a bunch of different things but I, I was like there's no question maybe you can't make this exact team but they could have done something to make a team much better and not spending money then is actually costing us now yeah, the, I, you know the Gossman deal five years 110 I saw he got that and I was like we wouldn't pay him that we wouldn't pay him five for 110 see funny thing is myself when the whole Gossman deal happened i was like oh the blue jays just overpaid you know he had a one-year fluke and a free agency year and now i'm like man i was wrong on that i felt that way about um rodon i was like i think rodon's like so tempting but i just don't think he's going to be healthy i don't remember why i had more faith in in gossman i'm not sure um because you know it's it's the crapshoot i thought of other guys kodai senga and uh things like that but that was the or bring back erod i had actually been pretty high i'm just bringing back erod i'm like we're you gonna get a guy who's like this dependable and can do it in boston so mm-hmm. they don't grow on trees yeah. um but uh what was I, I still think you know you go out you get jordan montgomery somehow some way i yeah. think it turns around the whole view on this uh off season because at least there they say okay listen we brought in a guy that we want to help build our rotation around you know him bayo who knows if Giolito is here after this season because it's an opt-out after one year. If Bailey right. does his magic and makes mm-hmm. him back into uh, prime form, he's going to be right. out of here and getting a bigger deal. <laughs> and maybe we'd want to make sure we gave him the deal. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, he, it would be great for this year. Yeah. Did you see the rumor about um, Gary Sanchez? Oh, coming to Boston. I, I didn't really look into it, but I did hear about it. I was sort of like, think I went like, ah, it's not gonna happen. I went, oh, hang on a second, let's. I'm like, well, it is a power right-handed bat, not the kind we need, but it's a power right-handed bat. I, He's a personal catcher for Snell. Like I started doing the same thing where I was moving all the pieces in my head, and once again, I just shut myself down. I'm like, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. Yeah, see, some some people, I, like I said, I only looked at it briefly, but one second. What? There's one more um, pizza. Okay, I'm in the middle of something. Yeah. <sighs> Sorry about that. I, I tell That's people fine. and then they still just come in. Life happens. <laughs> uh, but uh, what was I going to say? Um, yeah, so I was seeing people say, like, oh, yeah, bring in bring in um, 
Sanchez and get rid of Reese McGuire, but myself, I feel as though McGuire's defense is a bigger impact than uh, what Sanchez's offense would be for the team, in a sense. I mean, yeah, I wondered about that. I, w- I wondered about that in the fact that his bat's left-handed, and and then I was reading that they said Sanchez was actually much better defensively this year. I don't know why that would be. Um, it could be a fluke. It could be put in a lot of work. You know, it's tempting. It's a tempting idea. Mm-hmm. Um, even half of what Gary Sanchez was when he was scary Gary would be pretty impactful in the lineup. Um, yeah. But it would have to make sense financially. And it really does seem like the sort of thing you'd do if you wanted to also get Snell. And I just don't know if I believe that they want to get Snell. I, I don't think that they'd be willing to spend... I mean, if they're not going to spend for Jordan Montgomery, I think Snell wants a lot more. I know, what was it, I was reading Yankees offered him five years, 150, and he turned that down. That seemed pretty good. Yeah, he clearly thinks he can, I mean, I'd pay him more than that if he was a guy who went deeper into games. I I was going to say, Snell, every time I've talked to people, I've I've said it right away, I don't want him on the Red Sox. I I was very much not wanting him, and I got, I kind of talked myself into like, I wouldn't be upset if we got him because, I mean, you can't argue with stuff missing bats, and that does seem like it's part of the Bailey philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe they can even coach him into, like, let's see if we can walk fewer guys and get a little bit deeper into games. But it does just, when you when you think, look at all the 3-2 counts and the walks, and I'm going, like, I watched Dice K pitch. Even when he was great, it was annoying. Because <laughs> you're just like, oh, another 3-2 pitch, can you please strike this guy out? Please don't walk in and run. And then he would somehow, and you'd be like, okay, thank you. But... You didn't I mean, take I, an antacid after you watched a Dice K start. In Dice K's defense, I'd say 07 and 08, it wasn't that bad. It was once he got injured in the uh, right. World Baseball Classic. He was actually great in 08, but that was a year where, I don't know if you called it smoke and mirrors. It's very much like Snell, where you're like, you had a lot of base runners. You just yeah. didn't allow runs to score. I mean, uh, yeah, but I'd also argue in the difference between him and Snell, at least for 08, was... At least on average, he was going past uh, five innings. He was. Yeah, he was. He went deeper into games. I mean, he was, you know, it wasn't as deep as it could be, but, you know. The first Snell, two it's... years of that of that deal made made it worth it to have Daisuke, um, mm-hmm. even with the headaches. He <laughs> yeah, drove in a run in the World Series. We can say that uh, Daisuke has more career World Series hits than Aaron Judge. Right, right. More hits, more RBIs. But, um... Um, didn't he... I looked for this on YouTube. The video seems to not exist. Is it the gyro ball one? No, the first... I was going to say the first game of the 2008 ALCS. Man, that was a heartbreaker. Didn't he pitch, like, a one nothing shutout in Tampa? I don't remember. Here, I'll tell you in a second. I remember being like, oh my god, that was an incredible start. We're going to win this series. 2008. Uh, Boston won 2 nothing, 2-0. And Dice K threw seven innings, four hits, nine strikeouts. Okay, so I exaggerated it in my head, but still, wow, great job, Dice K. Yeah. That, that probably the best start of his Sox career, I would think. You're going to um, be up there. At least, at least if you leverage uh, importance with, with statistical results. Um, I thought we were going to win. I think if Beckett had been healthy, we might have won that series. That was oh, it, uh, yeah, I think we just kind of fell off at the end pitching wise I mean we had signed Schilling thinking he was going to be back and then he was out the entire year and I think he retired halfway through the season instead of rehabbing more yeah man 
nobody has no, I don't even want to get started on Schilling. Nobody has thrown away the goodwill of a, of a place as much as Kurt Schilling has. Holy crap. Hey, John, and the John cherry Henry's on trying his best. <laughs> John, John Henry's like, hmm, I wonder. It's going to take me some time, but I think I can get there. Um, so, so actually, the, I, I the Wakefield have... death announcement thing was, a, yeah. was really like the, this cherry on top of the Sunday. Yeah, was, go ahead. No, yeah, I was going to say, I do have one, one question, though. Uh, so obviously, you know. You've been a Red Sox fan for a while. Who would you say is your all-time favorite? That's t that's tough. Which child do you love the most? Um, it's hard to not say Ortiz. He just had so. I mean, he went to the. I was so I was at Game Two of the 2013 ALCS. You were there for the Grand Slam, and I remember he comes up, and I'm just going like. If he hits a grand slam or tied but i went that's so greedy man that's so greedy this is hard like we barely had any base runners or runs in this series so far just keep the line moving just don't swing at balls you know like just if you can walk if you can single and i practically hadn't finished the thought and he blasted the ball out and i was just like oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god because it was just too unbelievable that he could continue to succeed in these situations sheer probability should mean that he fails more often and just remarkable how often he came through. Um, there's, I mean, there's a lot of favorites. If I had to really gun to my head pick one, I probably would say. I don't know that he was the best player I ever saw. You know, I mean, we saw Pedro pitch in 99, 2000. Those are the two most dominant pitching seasons in history. Mm -hmm. um, and Pedro pitching is the only time where I felt that the atmosphere in the ballpark was right up there with a playoff game game in the middle of june and on a bad red sox team and if he was pitching the buzz in that place was crazy um but i don't know who 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 delivered more you know dopamine to your brain but ortiz you know driving one driving one to right um might, hey, there, might give it to him there's no wrong uh answer when it comes to ortiz so. Yeah, I don't know that there's. I mean, you could you can love bad players. There's there've been people who I you know we traded Kike last year. I was not happy, and I I totally understood. I was like, look, he's been hurt all year. He's been awful. Um, I get it, but I love Kike so much that I was like, I really like this trade. Objectively, See, I, in baseball terms, it was a good trade. I but I I've been so attached to him. I was ready to move on from uh, Hernandez just after two straight years or. I should say a year and a half of uh, yeah these yeah. struggles. It just used to got couldn't stay healthy. I guess mm -hmm. I also think that a little bit. I think that at first the the defensive stuff was a health problem, and I then think that it kind of psychologically snowballed on him. I um, I mean it's hard to tell him not to go and play in the World Baseball Classic for uh, you know his right. uh, Puerto Rico, but I mean if I was core, I would have made a bigger push keep him in camp, work on the whole shortstop position, and maybe yeah. he has a better start to the season. It was a lot to, it was a lot to ask. I mean, I don't think it would have done anything for his health was, you know, I mean, it really was, because he was here, what, a total of, not a total of two, three years, but two uh, and a half seasons. Two and a half, yeah. And he won great one, and then I don't think he was healthy after that. No, 22, he was hurt, and then, what was it, they said he had a, a hernia? This year. Yeah, I think it was Hernia, and I don't think we really heard about it until after he left. Mm -hmm. And he did play a little better for the Dodgers, and I think that was that was probably the psychological thing. But he certainly wasn't great for them. Um, 
sometimes it's just move on to a new place and works out for you. Yeah, I mean, Boston's tough. Sometimes I, I go like, we're tough, sometimes not in a fair way. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, look at uh, Edgar Renteria. Yeah. Everywhere else except for Boston, great shortstop, like, offensively, and he was serviceable defensively, comes to Boston, and what is it, like, 30, 31 errors he has in a year? Yeah. It, it, boy, that was a weird... I wanted I wanted them to keep Orlando Cabrera, but that was probably pure sentimentality. I think probably all the numbers say, like, get this guy, and then it just didn't work out. Carl Crawford. Yeah. You know, Carl Crawford is one of those failures that, like, who can you blame for that? No, I was ecstatic when they signed him. Ecstatic. Oh. That year felt like this team, print the World Series tickets now. Mm -hmm. This team is amazing. When they and, got him and Gonzalez. Yeah. It, we kept the wrong we kept the wrong Adrian. Mm -hmm. um, and then he, I don't know. I, I, I think it was, it seems like the, there's, you know, with, without asking him and having him be honest, we'll never really know. But it does seem like it was just like, he came someplace he didn't know enough about and wasn't comfortable from the get-go. He was trying think, to justify a huge contract. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's no way to know, but I just think some players, they're just not mentally built for big market teams like the Red Sox, Yankees, and Dodgers. I mean, one guy who... <laughs> I, have a, I have a friend who's a big Yankees fan. I always joke with him about it. Javier Vasquez. You know, mm. two different Great for Immaculate Grid. I, huh? I, get to, I get to do so well with him in Immaculate Grid. Like... Two different stints in New York. Both times he sucked. But yeah. right when he left, he was the pitcher the Yankees thought he was going to be. Yeah, yeah. Hide uh, Hideki Arabu, was that any sort of the same thing, or was he just bad? Uh, I think he was just bad. Yeah, he killed himself. Uh, years later, but um, he killed himself. Um, yeah, Crawford, I mean, that was another one of those things where it's going like, I would never blame ownership for that. That looked like a... It was by no means a cheap deal, but it looked like a smart one. You were bringing in a guy who was like a triples machine and had given us fits for years. Just Good defense, too. Yeah. Speed. Just he's going to give you 20 home runs and steal 30 bases and, and just so much it. fun. And, then, and, it, and it didn't just, like, when he left, he wasn't that much better. It really feels like it ruined his career. Mm. Probably the uh, other, just couldn't rebound from it. Yeah, I think the other team was the Angels, and uh, I think if he'd gone there, he'd have a very different career. Um, you know, the, the what-ifs and the we should have done this is like we should have we should have given Adrian Beltre that big deal and mm -hmm. held on to Anthony Rizzo. And I, st I still think uh, when we traded for Gonzalez and we moved Uke to third, that also uh, yeah. started the end of... Yuke's career, because, I mean, third base is a more physically demanding position. Yuke started getting hurt more once he moved back over to third base. Yeah. You know, his offensive production declined, and I think if he stayed at first, he still would have had another three, four good years before that decline started. Yeah, sometimes it's just like, why do they want to mess with something? I'm like, don't. I mean, this is the Whitlock thing. Because I, I look at, like, Daniel Bard, mm -hmm. and, like, the guy who was, like, the clear heir to the to the closer throne, and then they wanted he wanted to become a starter, and it derailed him until he found the fountain of youth in in Colorado. I mean, it took so many years for him to get himself back on track. Yeah, I mean, we literally ruined a guy's career for almost a decade. Yeah, like it was like it, what was it, nine years, I think, eight or nine and, years between yeah. his last appearance and then when he came back with Colorado. So, in, incredible credit to him that he made a effective major league comeback mm. and amazing 
should never have worked. No, um, but... Yeah, but I, I do sort of think sometimes when I'm like, if it works, don't mess with it too much. Just leave it alone. Yeah. Um, That's my biggest fear with Whitlock after seeing two years of injuries. Like, okay, maybe he's in better shape, but just leave him in the bullpen. Yeah. We know what or he got. even if he stays healthy, it's, you know, maybe a guy is just, if he can give it closer to 100% intensity for fewer innings. You know, you stretch them out, and now you've got to either work that hard and exhaust yourself or hurt yourself or scale it back a bit, and you're not going to be as effective. Mm. Um, it's the thing with Crawford, I think, is, like, I'd love him to be a starter. Can he physically get himself to the point where he can just go deeper in games? Um, See, that'll I'm, determine the ceiling there. I'm all aboard the uh, Crawford as a starter, like, bandwagon, though I would say if there's one other spot that I'd be perfectly fine with. Put him as the closer. Closer. It feels like we got a lot of guys who have the who upside could be to be closer. Yeah. Um, the bullpen seems like one of the things where you go. It's I mean, they, they, trading. I don't want them to weaken the bullpen by trading Jansen, but I'm like, you can actually pull from the bullpen if you want to. Because mm -hmm. I mean, you could make Chris Martin the closer. Yeah. Uh, because I mean, definitely with the bullpen, a lot of people are projecting Winkowski, who was unhittable for like the first third of the season. They're yeah. saying, oh, there's a good chance he doesn't make the team out of camp this year just because of how stacked it is, and he has options. So guys. Him, it's good to have that. Uh, the kid they got from Seattle, Campbell. They're... Great mustache, by the way. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing mustache game. I just, I want to get we gotta we gotta get some GMs really drunk, and we gotta trade for Dylan Cease and Spencer Strider. I want to create the mustache pitching staff. Uh, Andrew Chafin. Let's like let's get them all in one group. <laughs> all mustache team. But yeah, just. They've got so much depth in that bullpen this year. I'm not worried if they trade someone. Yeah. Unless yeah. it's an awful trade, and then. <laughs> yeah, unless it's an awful trade, and they've yeah. none so far under the uh, under the bloom. I mean, under the under the Breslow uh, regime. I mean, the sale trade blew me away, but then I stopped and thought about it. I was like, actually, seems pretty smart. I was actually um, surprised when it happened. My friend texted me and he says, "So, uh, what about that sale trade?" And I go, "What are the rumors what? that he's yeah, getting traded?" And they're no, like, they wouldn't. Yeah, no rumors whatsoever. It just bam. Yeah, and he goes, "Did you not look at Twitter?" And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And I just opened it up as I'm still like messaging him, and I saw it just pop right up, and I'm like, "Yeah, I just saw it." <laughs> the, fr the friend who I always send news about to uh, about baseball and what the Red Sox are doing, he sends this to me, and I'm like, "I will stop looking at my phone for five minutes," and mm -hmm. and this happens. It's interesting that. Every move that they've actually made, there's been virtually no rumor, no news about it leading up to it. It's just been bam. So there it is. From, it's happened. From what I understand, that's been the same way since uh, Bloom came in. They've kept like all news like locked down. Like they don't want anyone knowing what's going on until yeah. the moment they strike. The ship doesn't leak, which is good. Hmm. The only problem uh, is uh, then it leaves fans frustrated, thinking nothing's getting done. Yeah, nothing's getting done, and every time they hear a rumor, it doesn't happen. Mm. You know, I'll, I'll, there's been—I don't know why this off season in particular. I usually kind of check out in the off season, like I take a mental break, and I think it's the Red Sox have been bad enough. I've been watching less, and I'm actually craving baseball rather than feeling like I've been saturated by it. So I've been really kind of glued to the rumor mills, mm. um, trying to see what's happening, and. Every time, you know, at, well, did we sign a guy to a minor league deal and people go nuts and you see the people that they are tweeting, you know, the slightly larger baseball personalities going like, oh, by all means, get upset about this. Like every team does this. Would you relax? 
and they're right, but I'm like, this, this is this, people are conditioned, you know, we have been conditioned, we've eaten so much shit that we're just ready to pop, everybody's really frustrated. But it doesn't help when you got ownership saying, we're going full throttle, we're doing everything in our power to put a better team out on the field, and then every person that you think they would be linked to, oh, they didn't really discuss with them, yeah. oh, the offer was underwhelming, you know? <laughs> Yeah, Which they want why... they, they want all these players to play for the Red Sox in some sort of unpaid internship. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is why I honestly think maybe out of anyone this offseason, Montgomery will end up in Boston just because of a few things. One, it's starting to look like the whole J.D. Martinez free agency saga back in 1718, uh, yeah, exactly. where yeah. all of his suitors are coming off the board in one way or another. So he might have to take a deal he didn't mm-hmm. want originally. Because yeah. I, I think what it's us, Texas, and the Yankees are a long shot. The Yankees and... say they're out. You never know if they're just blowing smoke or not. Mm-hmm. But Texas seems to be having money problems. Yeah, because I was looking at it uh, last night. Texas last year ended the season at two hundred and thirteen million. Right now, using the estimated arbitration numbers, they're at two hundred and ten. Yeah, and they've so. and they've got this revenue stream problem with the it's a TV thing, isn't it? Isn't that the uh, issue? It's a... Yeah, I think they're a TV deal. Is something going on? Yeah, what, I can't, they, I can't remember Sports now. or whatever? Collapse. Yeah, it's, it's definitely like the Valley Sports has been sowing chaos wherever they go. I don't remember why now yeah, they're not paying the out teams the, are hurting. I think they're not paying out like the network revenue or whatever the agreement was. So like MLB is like taking over all their networks. Yeah. So was it, I think San Diego, was it San Diego or Arizona was the first one or something like that? Arizona sounds right, but I, I don't actually remember. But I think you're right with Montgomery. I mean, it feels like He's been linked to the Red Sox since the beginning. He never had that many places that seemed like he could go. They they are semi off the board now. And his isn't his wife? She's either a nurse here or she's in med school here. She's, she's yeah. Here. She's doing something here for her career in Boston. Yeah. So when everybody saw that, they were like, "Oh man, this is like, the perfect setup. This is the match, and it's exactly what they need." And that's why it's sort of frustrating. That, you know, if they said to us like, "Look, we have a lot of moves we want to make." But look, the market's moving so slowly. Mm-hmm. I think we would have been going like, yeah, it is. I mean, you know, we, just 60% of the free agents are out there. Um, like, at least with Montgomery, my ideal like deal would be one of two things. A five-year deal with an opt-out after year three, so Montgomery can then try and go and get one more big contract. Yeah. Or four years with a fifth-year vesting option where you have to make X amount of starts year four if right. it becomes fully guaranteed. Yeah, if you, if you give us like whatever equates to 170 innings for the first four years then the fifth year will yeah i think that that those could do it um and they're probably just waiting to see if they can get things to inch down a little bit but even that to me feels like almost delusional optimism i just don't know if i should (laughs) you know i'm just like am i am i crazy when i'm too negative on them am i crazy when i'm too positive on them i don't really know where to go the the full throttle comment i just i want someone to write a book about about from basically from 2019 to now I want to know what's been going on behind the curtain. I know we won't, at least won't hear for a long time, but I, that comment, I'm going, okay, was that a lie? Did you believe what you were saying at the time and something changed? Like, did John Henry pick up the phone and go, what the hell are you saying? We're not, you know, we're, we're lowering it. I think um, it was probably a, I'm going to tell them what they want to hear, buy us some time, and then... Uh... Yeah, th- that's definitely one possibility. It's just like, well, you know, future me will be, will pay for this, but mm-hmm. me today is going gonna, is gonna to not have to take heat if I say, even so, like... Don't say something that extreme. Like, say something a little more tempered. Just, 
just say, you know, what was happening with Bloom, it wasn't up to our expectations, and we're hoping to get the Sox back to our quality standards, and, you know, even though, yeah. in my opinion, Bloom is the biggest scapegoat in this oh, entire definitely. thing. I, I, I know mean, he had I, his issues, but... Yeah, I had my issues with him. I didn't actually like him, but I also think that, yeah, firing him was totally a scapegoat thing to do. He had his talents. I really think, like, if you needed to find... Like, who's that extra guy? Who's the guy on the bench that's going to make a difference that you don't think of? He was great at that stuff. Mm. He was great at drafting. If we had only had him do those things, I think it would have been pure success. See, um, But he wasn't very aggressive, but he also his hands were clearly tied. When they first brought him in, I loved the move. And I knew he was going to be forced to do the whole Mookie trade regardless of if he wanted to or not. And then after 2021... I loved him because he was able to turn that 2020 team into an ALCS appearance. I mean, maybe yeah. we just got lucky and went on a run, but he got us there somehow. <laughs> but then, it's a, I think combination. I think of the very smart moves, and, and we got both that and we got lucky. Um, but then, uh, going into the 22 season when he didn't bring in enough to help build off of that run, I got annoyed. And then after he let Bogarts walk, I you know I let the oh, whole God. the that whole passion was... at first get to me, but. Uh, then after that, I was like, you know what? You can't give Bogarts 10-plus years. Oh, yeah. I mean, I didn't think they should ever give him that deal. I think the real problem was they, they needed to extend him a year earlier, mm. and if they hadn't lowballed him from the start, I don't know what's with the Red Sox and lowballing their most valuable players, Lester, Bogarts. Yeah. I, they love to, like, they're like, you'll just come crawling back. If you give them... Lester's camp definitely said this, and I think I heard it out of Bogarts' camp, too. It was like, if you give them a reasonable offer up front... Mm -hmm. They would have like taken just it. taken it. Like if the, the, they, I think they eventually offered him six at one sixty, and they had said like if they had started at six at one sixty, he would have signed. We, I promise you, he would have signed an extension last year. With Bogarts, I was under the impression that if they offered him the same thing they gave Story, he would sign right there. Yeah, I think that could have done too. But um, but um, but they they badly mishandled that. I mean, I remember going into the lockout. I remember like minutes before the lockout, the they Renfro. traded Renfro. Yeah, and I went. For Jackie Bradley Jr., what are you doing? I mean, I know prospects, but what are you doing? And I went, they're going to sign Suzuki. That's what they're doing. They're freeing it up to sign Suzuki. Like, I was, I was totally, like, I think I was justified in doing so, but I was drinking the Kool-Aid and thinking, well, like, oh, they got to move. they got to move. And then they, they So then it was after, just prospects. They, after they lost Bogarts, I was really upset at him. And then uh, I was part of the whole winter weekend uh, booing and not giving them a chance to speak at good, all. Good for you. And I then... I actually went down to spring training in 2023 after they had made some more moves. And I actually had a chance to talk to him for like 15, 20 minutes, just one on one. And I did apologize mm -hmm. to him. Yeah. I apologized to him and I said I was just in the heat of the moment. I was pissed off about Bogarts. And uh, then I said the other moves you made, Duvall, Jansen, you know, I, I thought they were good. Yeah. And uh, just, good. just from his conversation, you could tell there was stuff he wanted to do, but yeah. he was unable to do them because of John Henry and financial situations. The, the billionaire is running out of money, I guess. Mm -hmm. No, he's he, saving he, up for his NBA franchise. Whatever it is. <laughs> I, he, listen, he better be building a bunker because people are going to come after Like these guys, I swear to God, some of these people have never read about the French Revolution. If you, if you keep pissing us off, Something's billionaires happen. shouldn't exist. Billionaires, like it, 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 their existence is immoral. And if people understood how much a billion dollars, what we, we would have a revolution a long time ago. But if you're gonna be here, you gotta give us something. If you make me happy, like, like you know, I've just, just, I'm, I'm an idiot. Just show me a 
entertaining thing, I'll go, oh, yay. So but you better entertain me. They're not doing it. I think uh, for Bloom, I was I was probably biased against him from the start because of the Mookie thing. And I mm -hmm. went, he had to know he was going to do this when he took the job. There's no way in the interview they weren't like, look, you're going to have to trade Mookie. So I was already, if he was going to go along with that plan, I was already going to be kind of against him. But yeah, like I think 21 kind of partially won me back. And I was like, well, he has done a really good job recovering from, from this nightmare. And then, you know, so I think like I, I was never really going to be on his side because he was a tool of what ownership was trying to do. But I, I can also give him credit for the things that he was good at doing. Um, we have a farm system that's good. That was, that, that's in the amount of time that he had. That's almost miraculous that he was able to do that. All right. Um, so, so with that, knowing uh, who's available still, if you were in Breslow's spot and you didn't have to worry about money or years, okay. who would be your number one target out of the free agents, just like that were still available today? Not to put you on the if spot. If I didn't or... have to worry about money or years. It might be Snell, yeah. Um, over over Montgomery. I mean, you're going to get higher quality and less quantity, but with the bullpen being the strength that it is, you can hold somebody to a run or two for six innings. Okay, it's huge. I mean, I wish I still wish starters went deeper into games. I think I thought baseball was much more entertaining before they started doing the mix and matching of bullpens, in particular in the postseason. But um, it's just not where the game is right now. I think I probably would say. I would want Snell and I would want Solaire. Okay. Um, I, I see the arguments for other guys too. I mean, Hoskins can play first to spell Casas and we know what Turner's leadership has done. And you're just kind of like, how much time do you have before you can't really play anymore? Um, you're kind of waiting for him to turn to a pumpkin. I would, um, Turner, I'm hesitant. I would like him back because I know, you know, he did well. He's great in the clubhouse, but he's going to be 39. Like, yeah, that's the only that's the only thing that makes me hesitate. As I'm just going like, I don't know, he did it at 38. Can you do it at 39? Maybe? Everyone has an expiration date at some point in that game. Turner's yeah. just has a great work ethic that has let him play to 39, and I'm hoping yeah. he Being has a another DH good helps. year or two. Being a DH helps if he's mostly not playing the field. If you just once in a while giving a guy a break, um, mm. but so. I mean, if you said Turner will come back and you're going to get the exact same season, I go, oh, the Turner then. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Right. If they could, you know. Obviously, if we could see the future and say, oh, he's going to hit 280, give us 20 home runs, yeah, just sign Turner right now. Slot yeah. him in as our DH, hitting third, put Tristan behind him, and, you know, we'll figure and, out the and rest. And let them score some runs, because I mm -hmm. think that the, it's it's hard to know with the young guys. You know, I, I see William Brayu, and I go, like, are you like a, like a thick version of Kyle Tucker? Like, I want to believe like, that no. you can hit as well as you look like you can hit. I don't know if you can or if it's the sample size problem. My biased prediction is we're seeing the uh, the reincarnation of Trot Nixon with the Brave. That would be cool. I mean, and, and I, but I, I, all these guys, I'm just going, who do you trade and who do you hang on to? Is Raphael going to figure out the swing and mess issue? Mm -hmm. Is, you know, is Duran going to keep taking steps forward and be just ridiculous speed killing machine? Or are these guys, like, are you seeing the, you know, should we, do with them what we should have done with Bobby Dahlbeck, which is going like, this guy's not really going to be a star. Sell high right now, get something for them. I mean, yeah, I, I understand, like, Dahlbeck, he fell off, but could, couldn't we make the argument that if other teams weren't calling for him either, that maybe they saw the same flaws in his game that ended up coming out? Yeah, you have to, you have to believe that 
if, if no one else is, is, is buying it, then of course you can't do anything. Who knows? Maybe they tried. Maybe they called up places and were like, yeah. pretending they weren't trying to shop them. And you know, they were like, we're not getting Bobby Doll back, at least not for anything good. Because, I mean, you'd think like a, a team that wanted a cheap first baseman, something along the lines of like the Royals, the A's, uh, Pittsburgh, even Miami, along those lines, yeah. you'd think there might have been some sort of mutual interest if they had tried right. shopping him. Yeah, I, when we um, well, we ended up doing this, but Verdugo, I was like, they're going to trade Verdugo for, for some relief pitching, mm-hmm. um, and I thought like that's what she'll that's what she'll do. It's sort of like a similar thing. Like, you, I mean, Verdugo's more valuable than Velvet, but um, sort of a, that that was the idea. Yeah. Um, I mean, Verdugo, the writing was on the wall. There was. Yeah. I wonder what's going to happen in that Yankee clubhouse. They got a lot of big personalities there, with. <laughs> potential volatility. The I know that when we is, face Verdugo, he's going to hit the daylights out of the ball. It's just this, this yeah. personality. He's going to he's going to make it hurt. Now, the thing but, is, though, is he going to cause uh, issues in that clubhouse the moment that uh, Dominguez comes back from his injury? Because you're not going to bench Judge. Yeah. You're not going to no, bench Soto. And are you going to play Verdugo over Dominguez? Or are you going to play Verdugo... I mean, Dominguez over Verdugo. Like, which one yeah. is going to be benched and which one is... Uh, and you've got Trent Grisham out there. That's who, true too. Who's too good defensively to, you know, he's maybe not going to start ever, but you're not going to kick him off the roster, I don't think. Who knows? Maybe um, Verdugo will be out of New York by the deadline. Maybe, uh, maybe you know, he'll he'll get lucky and Giancarlo Stanton will strain something and miss two months, and he'll go like, okay, well, Soto can DH and mm-hmm. uh, get to stay out there in the outfield. But yeah, there's a lot of him. Not that I think that any of these guys are necessarily like bad guys, um, but when they've got the personalities that are big, like Verdugo and Stroman, and I think they have somebody else out there too who's like kind of a, I can't think of who it is, somebody who's like a little bit bombastic. I'm like, if you guys could create magic together, you could also be nitroglycerin. Hey, they could turn into the, uh, I forget, was it the Bronx Zoo under Billy Martin? Yeah, although the Bronx Zoo (laughs) won the World Series, so I think they'd take it. I don't think uh, Boone is the guy, though, to uh, control all those personalities if no. things got wild like that again. I can't get a read on Boone. I kind of like him, but I I can't tell if he's actually a good manager. I just can't tell. He's, it's too... With the exception of the way he blows up at umpires, which is very entertaining. Mm. It, it doesn't give much of a read. My favorite was uh, when he was pretending to uh, call a strike three. <laughs> Ooh, the most exaggerated. It was so funny. I saw a, uh, I saw someone did an edit of that, and they uh, they made it look like he was Harry Potter. They gave him the little uh, forehead scar, and they put a wand in his hand and all. <laughs> it's funny how much, like, I, of course, I, for obvious reasons, hated Aaron Boone for a long time, and he's gone over there, become their manager, not really won anything, and been very entertaining, so now I like him a lot. Hey, I enjoy yeah. him because I just don't think he's a very good manager. I mean, major league level-wise, I think he's serviceable but i don't think he Yankees. can push the right buttons to get them over the edge if they still you, had joe girardi i think yeah girardi they probably would have won by now well maybe that's why they don't have him because they because they maybe the front office have too much trouble controlling girardi they too much of a mind of his own and boone is like okay do you want i guess it, it i don't do you like follow the like talking baseball the john boy guys you know, uh yeah. not, not much i've watched some of their youtube videos but i don't really watch the uh, podcast my friend does and he's always telling me about them and i'm like 
I watch enough Red Sox. I'm not picking up another podcast. Yeah. I, no, I, I don't follow them all the time, but I, I've seen them talk about him often enough to think like they clearly – and he's on their podcast now like once a he, week or something. He sent me – my friend has sent me clips of them like pissing him off with just stupid questions. And I'm like, why do you keep it's going really back funny. on the show? <laughs> it's really funny how he's like – Jake will say something like, why don't you hit this guy? And I'll be like, no, no. Are you the manager? So funny. I, I love think, it. Um, I think there was one question. I forget what he asked, but uh, Girardi's response. Was, I'm sorry, not Girardi. Boone's response was something along the lines of, "Yeah, when you have my job, then you can start making the decisions." Yeah, he's right. But or but that was their question. I don't know about now, but they used to say like, at least a couple of years or two ago they'd say like, "Does he make the decisions?" They couldn't decide if he was a bad manager or if he was truly not allowed to decide things. And that, in fact, the front office. I think they were mostly talking about lineup construction, particularly in 2021, where it was just like they had a different lineup practically every day. And it was like, well, this lineup's really good at grounding into double plays, and this lineup's really good at grounding into double plays. And they were always like, is Boone making these lineups, or are these lineups coming from somewhere else? Because that's they, also they were something like, I've noticed with yeah. like Dave Roberts. Like, he falls too much of the analytics from the front office a lot of times. At least during like 2017, 2018, 2019, those playoff runs, there would be a lot of times where like, oh, the analytics say, bring in Ryan Madsen, who's already given up like three home runs in the World Series, but yeah, you know the they say, oh, he's had home runs. Yeah, they'd say something like, oh, you know, he's got the highest percent to get the ground ball double play here, and they bring him in, and boom. Yeah. And then the one time he doesn't follow the analytics, it helped us out, so I can't even complain. When he brought Jansen right. in the uh, eighth inning in a non-safe yeah, situation, yeah. <laughs> and then it, uh, it, it does seem like the the situation that works the best is when you have a manager who really respects the analytics, but also has a feel for the situation and, and is allowed to make that call. Yeah, so Cora, like, mm, not right now. Yeah, like Cora. I mean, I really think Cora is very good. I know people complain about him a lot because he's a manager, mm -hmm. and if your team's not winning every game, you're going to complain about your manager. And I don't remember what it was, but there was a game last year where I thought he managed it so badly, I was like, what's going on? Are you trying to get fired? Oh, I think I know. The uh, you know, Kyle Bearclaw game? Might have been. It was something so boneheaded, and I was like, this is strangely stupid, and I want to know what's going on here. But, you know, I overall, I think he's he makes a mistake here and there, but he's been a pretty good manager. His, his, his decisions are usually pretty logical and... Uh, even if they don't work, I go, well, I, I get what he was trying to do. I mean, I would say with the pitching he had last year during that middle third of the season when we literally had, like, two starters and the rest was just bullpen games, yeah. I'd say, you know, he kept us afloat with the way that he ran that bullpen, especially since uh, there was a few guys that we were shuttling up and down from AAA just to be fresh arms, like Chris Murphy, who right. I think I think he'll be important this year at some point. Yeah, he would put a guy in, and you go, oh, I don't want this guy pitching. And then they'd look and go, everybody else's arm is probably going to fall off. They probably, that guy's probably pitched two games in a row, and that guy's you know, probably on the verge of being hurt. There's got to be a good reason for this. So I only remember that one, personally, that one, like, what are you doing moment. I almost never have those with Cora. The, I, I had one moment when I, I actually was at Fenway, and it, it was that Friday night uh, Mookie Betts return game. So I... I I had to make sure I was going to be there just because I was like, I, I got to be there to see bets back in Boston. Yeah. <laughs> and, I'll never uh, get over that trade. Oof. That no. trade's like the breakup you don't you don't ever get over. It's I, it's just like I'll worst never part is 
I wanted Dustin May back in that trade, and that didn't happen. Yeah, it was a bad. It was a bad trade to trade him, and it was a badly conducted trade. Like we didn't get, you know. The worst part is they had agreed on different prospects too, and then yeah, when that Gratterall, leaked out, right? huh? I know Gratterall was one of them. And they yeah, I think it was just going to be. I think it was just Verdugo and Gratterall, and like fans were like, "That's it," and then they were like, "Oh, we found something wrong in the uh, in the physical for Gratterall, so." You guys can keep him, but send us uh, Wong and Down instead, you know? <laughs> but um, There anyway, was never going to be in a satisfactory trade package for bets, but that was a particularly botched. No. Yeah. But uh, So the point I was making was Cutter Crawford had started, and he had gone like five innings, gave up like three hits and one run, and they were winning, I think it was at the time, 3-1. And so you could tell in that fifth inning he was starting to tire. But the bullpen was taxed, so he tried getting another inning out of uh, yeah. Crawford, and it didn't That's work. He, the first two guys got on, so he pulls them, and he went to Pavetta, and Pavetta had nothing that night, but they had no one else at the time, so Pavetta was forced. He ended up giving up the tying run. Then they pulled Pavetta, and I think the Sox ended up losing 4-3. to three. That's, yeah, that's, that's just a tough situation. That's, again, that's... It's not a manager's fault. It's just like you don't have the resources. You need more guys. You need yeah. You need more guys. You can only do what you can with what you have. Yeah, I don't really think like how big a difference would Montgomery make to this rotation? Montgomery, Giolito, Bayo, Crawford, uh, who am I forgetting? With Pavetta, who yeah. now has this new magic slider and is you're like, oh, I want us. I actually want him starting again. No, he's also got the uh, the the sweeper. What what did he say it was called? The, oh, the uh, that he learned the whirly bird that he learned yeah. from Martin. Learn from Martin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm going like, okay, you know, Matt Andrees's gift to the Red Sox back when was he he was not good, but he taught the the change up to to Whitlock. Martin's even better. He's good, and he's gonna. Everybody needs to learn the slider. You know, teach everybody mm-hmm. this particular slider. Just, and uh, Martin, just start teaching them everything. Yeah, just. The pitching workshop is something I'm excited for. They seem to be yeah. I like uh, the guys they brought in to be around uh, Bailey. Driveline well. guy, uh, I think he's. I don't know if it's consulting or what it is, but he's. Uh, yeah, I think. What is he? I think he's a consultant to uh, Breslow. Yeah. So it, it it you know. It's like they make every move that's smart, except if it costs money. And I'm. You guys are rich. You're yeah. rich. I mean, you don't have to go past the second tax threshold, but like. I mean, my hope for this season, pitching-wise, is Bayo makes that jump into a definitive number two pitcher. Because I'm not, I'm not going to be overly positive and say he's going to come out and he's going to prove he's an ace. It will be his second full season in the majors, and I'm not expecting him to make that huge jump just yet. Just prove to me that you can be a number two on a on a team. Giolito, just be an innings eater, sub four ERA, and I will be happy. Even I'll take a low four. Crawford, just keep being yourself. Pavetta, just don't be inconsistent. Yeah. And if we can get Montgomery, I, I, maybe I'm being too positive, but I think it's an 85 to 87 win team, and they can yeah, be in competition I, for a wild card. I think that's reasonable. And I, yeah, and I think, you know, in any other division, we would actually say, like, oh, this team's a playoff team. It's just mm-hmm. the East is so difficult. Yeah. Um, but if they were to do that, I'd go like, you're trying. 
You're trying. This is clearly not the moment, but the window is beginning to open. You are beginning to open it. We will see kind of this will unfold over the next few years, and you should, again, have a perennial contender soon. And I just don't understand the... You know, I, I, heard, I heard something... I think Peter Gammons wrote something about some part of the portfolio of Fenway Sports Group had sort of taken losses. I don't remember which. Um, and so that was part of the reason that the spending was going to be down. I'm like, okay, but does 10 to $20 million, first of all, make that big a difference? And second of all, you're all billionaires. Like, this is business. You are going to lose some money sometimes. And, uh, you know, where have you gotten in your careers by shrinking? Shouldn't you all be... This, I, this, this cynicism that they seem to be displaying where they're looking for this magic ratio of how much, what's the exact right amount of money to spend on the team to make it just good enough so that mm -hmm. the profit, the ratio is you know, great. Yeah, we could make more money, but we'd have to spend a lot more, whereas this is perfect. Let's just keep winning 88 games or whatever they're trying to do. Hey, I mean, 88 now. Most of them get into the playoffs with that, so I'll take yeah. 88 wins. <laughs> would be a huge improvement but i'm just i'm just going like even the poor teams aren't really poor we know that they just don't spend mm -hmm. but this is not some little market uh it's a mid-sized city but it's not a mid-sized market no we're a big size yeah you know, we should be spending like a big market team it's us i'm not saying LA, dodgers level but... yeah we don't have that kind of yeah. crazy money but but we we even always say like are you guys in the top five okay should be should be in the top five because it's a, kind of like Chicago. I think Chicago is probably the most comparable. Mm -hmm. That market is large. It's dependable. People will show up, or particularly show up when you're good. Um, and we've got a, our, our team is nowhere close to what Atlanta or Houston are doing, but the market's bigger. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I mean, I don't know how Atlanta got them all to sign those uh, team-friendly yeah, deals. They got, they got pictures of people or something. I don't know. How, they keep signing extensions where I'm like, it started with Albies, which which I was like, oh, he's really young, and this was a foolish decision. Then yeah. it kept happening. And all their gonna... young core. It's all team-friendly deals. Like, there's going to be some sort of under-the-table payment coming or something. They're hypnotizing people or blackmailing them. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> but they're, you know, they, yeah. they're working some sort of magic over there to create just either, an incredible roster. To... Either that or they have some great negotiation skills saying, listen, you'll make more money in the long run taking this cheaper deal because you'll be playing in the playoffs getting playoff share money yeah uh getting national spotlight from playoff runs i don't know what they're doing i want uh, so many rooms in baseball i want i want to be a fly on the wall that mm -hmm. that room for braves the braves front office is definitely one of them so i i do have one final question and this one yeah, yeah. might be the least serious of them all but i do like hearing <laughs> everyone's different response to this because uh it's an interesting one. So, what are your thoughts on Sweet Caroline at Fenway, or oh, more specifically, oh. when they play it and they're down by like six, seven? This runs. is you probably been reading my tweets, man. This is exactly I tweeted about this yesterday. I was where somebody was joking around about the Fenway experience that they're selling the Fenway experience. And I said, oh, so what? So I'm chugging a twenty-five dollar beer so I can sort of drown out the sound of Sweet Caroline. People are, you know, emphatically singing while we're down seven to two. And we're seven and a half games back from a playoff spot in July. Is that the Fenway experience? Like I, I hate Sweet Caroline so much. It's just a terrible song. This was even before we knew the kind of creepy part of it. Before everybody knew it was about, just an awful song. And I tolerate it when they're winning. I kind of go, all right, this game. But when they're losing, 
and particularly when it's a bad season, I just want I. I want to go on some sort of a spree, and it's either a bender or a killing spree. I just look around at the people seeing it, and I go, hey, I just hate you. <laughs> I'm so joyless in those moments. I hate you people for seeing this terrible song at this moment. We should all be mad. No, I can understand, because I, I used to be the same exact way until someone actually explained to me, like, maybe everyone's, not everyone's singing it, but maybe a good portion of them, maybe five, 6,000 of those fans, it's their first and possibly only time at Fenway, you know? Yeah, and I was like, yeah, the, you know, the, when you put it that way, I can understand. But I'm like, it doesn't make me enjoy it anymore. But right. I can understand. When I take myself exactly, I can take myself out of the moment and go, all right. First of all, not everybody cares as much about this as you. Mm-hmm. Not every some of these people don't even know what's going on right now. Although that still makes me mad. But yeah, the people who it's like this is our one game this year. We can't afford it. It's too expensive. Yeah. Oh, you know? the prices are outrageous. Um, so some people are going with their family once and that's it and going like you should be trying to squeeze every moment of joy out of this that you can and i you know i shouldn't i'll just stew quietly over here and you enjoy yourself because um like i I can't lie i i still get frustrated even with that but i'm just like i'll just stay quiet for now and then on the way home i'll complain about it it's definitely partially the fact that I feel like it's a horrible song. If it were a better song, I think I'd also be more understanding. But I'm just like, you can't think this sounds good. It doesn't sound good. I tolerate it when we win. Um, but, sure. that, you know, the, I you know, try to see, like, they need to get some, some joy out of this. And I can, I'm lucky. I can go to Fenway Park a lot more than most people. I live close. Mm-hmm. Um, I have access to, like, a pool of, like, a, group that has season tickets that they split up among them you know i can sort of choose in 2013 i got to go to i think 10 regular season games and they won seven or eight of them and then i went to three postseason games some people if they make it once a year that's a lot and so i, I have to try to keep that in perspective it just doesn't help me feel different i feel differently about them i don't feel different myself um 